This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Elizabeth Preston, episode 176, Create Authentic Connection. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world, and I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire. We must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hi there, beautiful soul. Welcome to another episode of the show. As you can see, last week's episode was all about creating habits that stick. This week, we're creating again with Authentic Connection, and I have a very special guest joining me today. It's Simone Hung, and Simone is kind of a big deal. I just recently got connected to her, and I'm kind of fangirling her now, and I'm just like in awe that she came on this show and she delivered in this interview big time. I recorded it with her a couple days ago as I record this intro, and I've been thinking about things that she said over and over and over again. I've already told my husband like, okay, babe, I know you don't really listen to podcasts, but like this is an episode to listen to because she just breaks down communication and connection in such a way that allow your brain to understand, oh, that's what I'm needing. I think many times in our life we're like, oh, I'm lonely or, oh, I'm just like feeling like I need more, I don't know, friends or my husband or my partner is not really seeing me and you can't really like put your finger on it, you know? And Simone in this interview allows you to start to put your finger on things and to say, oh, What I'm missing is X kind of connection or Y kind of connection. And she also breaks down, you know, what kind of connection to build in your life to feel really fulfilled. And so now I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have this action plan. Now I know what to go out and do in the world to feel really deeply connected. Um, Because I feel like I have that bucket full in my life right now with my clients, but Also, there are times when I'm like, okay, I hold all this space for them. Like, I want this in my own life. And that's why I always have my own coaches. And then I'm like, oh, I've had such deep connection with, you know, people in coaching communities that I want to, you know, take that to my real life. And that's where it can be tricky. But now I know after this interview of like, oh, I know exactly what to do now. So we hope it has some light bulb moments for you too. 
And it allows you to see, okay, now I know where to go to create more authentic connection. Um, Just to give you a little bit more about Simone, she is a human connection specialist and former international broadcaster for Virgin Radio Dubai, HBO Asia, and CNBC, among others. With over 15 years of experience around the world as a communicator on air, on stage, and one-on-one, connection has always been her life's work. And in this interview, too, I will tell you, we dig into how she became a human connection specialist, which is so interesting. As a speaker, Simone inspires people to connect in a world thirsty for connection. She has spoken to audiences of thousands and for clients that include Facebook, Google, Lucasfilm, Adobe, Salesforce, TEDx, South by Southwest, and the United Nations. Simone and her work have been featured in Vogue, Elle, South China, Morning Post, CNN, and more. Simone's debut book on human connection, Secret Pandemic, The Search for Connection in a Lonely World, is a Singaporean bestseller as well as an Amazon U.S. number one bestseller in the social science reference category. So as you can tell, Simone's a pretty impressive gal, and I hope you enjoy learning from her. It was such a joy to have her on the show, and you're welcome. (laughs) So without further ado, here is Simone Hum. All right, Miss Simone, so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here, Miss Lindsay. (laughs) As I told you before we hit record, I've become such a fangirl of yours the past few weeks when I was introduced to you. Love your work, love your speaking, and it's a pleasure to have you here and to talk all about connection and your new book, The Secret Pandemic. So where I'd love to begin is a little bit about you. How did you become what you call a human connection specialist? What guided you here? Oh, lots of trauma and disconnection. Okay. <laughs> um, let, let's kind of start at the at the beginning. I think I was really interested in the topic, but didn't realize that human connection or a lack thereof had been this thread that ran through my entire life. And I was working with a mentor looking to leave media and go into speaking because I was working in a very disconnected workplace at the time. So you can see how sometimes a great mentor or a coach, Lindsay, the work you do, can point out to you something that's staring you right in the face. And he said to me, Simone, you know, when you walk in a room, the way, and I'm really little, I'm only 152 centimeters, 5'1", but he's like, the way you connect with people, this is your superpower. And I thought, wow, speaking of which, the sign just went on. How chilling was that? What was that about? Um, And I never really realized, in fact, I felt that I had had so much loneliness and lack of belonging in my life, especially being a mixed race person and living between worlds, that um, I wasn't the best person at this. But then I started doing the research and I I basically interviewed like almost 100 people, uh, everyone from taxi drivers to teachers at schools where kids have autism on every range of the spectrum, people who I believe were getting up every single day and having to connect to get their salary because their life depended on it, those kinds of people, and saw um, a way to aggregate kind of my research on this topic. And I think there are other people who speak on this and who write books on it and who inhabit this space. But my lens on the topic has a very specifically Southern Hemisphere lens, as well as looking at the self-connection component. Because 
we don't connect well with others until we connect well with ourselves. And I'm sure we'll talk more on that in a bit. So this is how it kind of happened. I started researching on the side of that job and the research set me alight with fire and passion. And it became this topic that was so much bigger than me. And before I knew it, I was being asked by Fortune 500s to go in to speak to their people about it. So it, it took on a life of its own. So that's how you get to be, I prefer to say specialist because I don't like the word expert. Mm. I feel like expert has this really 90s pale male and stale <laughs> connotation around it. Pale male and stale, I love that so much. Yeah, not at all how I present. So by giving him a connect, connection specialist, maybe I forewarn people. Um, if the surname hang doesn't forewarn them already, that I'm not that kind of expert from the expert industry that became very much like this commodified industry. So, so that's why I use the word specialist. Oh, so fascinating. So once again, it was just like a passion led one thing to another and here you are today. Yeah. I'm really yeah. glad I had that mentor that pointed that out for me and how lucky I was that I fell in love with it. And then of course we had a global pandemic when I'd already been in the research for about a year, but speaking for about six months or a little bit more than six months, global pandemic. And then human connection became one of the top two topics in the world in terms of what organizations needed and for what people needed, what the everyday man needed. And so I got to fill this wonderful need, which is what we all hope to do with our work is that yeah. we're not spouting off about something that people find superfluous or you know outfits of the day that no one really cares about like that I'm putting out content that people need yeah for sure for sure okay well an authentic connection is definitely something we all need we all it's like a basic human need right so how would you define authentic connection yeah for me human connection is the energetic rapport we experience when we can see feel and discover ourselves in another human being. And in that definition, that idea of discover yourself is really important because the discover component, we can see and feel upon building rapport, gaining trust, but that authentic part comes with vulnerability and we only do that through discovery. So something called social penetration theory that says the longer the amount of time we spend with other people, the more they disclose about themselves and so do we. So vulnerability happens through time. It's not something you bomb on people immediately. And an authentic connection really, as defined by Susan Pinker, one of my favorite researchers in the, in the like social connection field, is somebody you can truly be yourself with. You can call them and have an existential crisis to them over the phone and cry your eyes out. You can ring them to drive you to the hospital when you're ill. And if you're really in a bind, you feel comfortable asking them to loan you some money. And I love that. It makes that so tangible. How is that different to the people, the five people you're spending your time with? Is it a girlfriend that you bond over just gossiping about other people? Probably not an authentic connection. Is it someone you can only go party with, but they won't really disclose anything about themselves? Not an authentic connection. Your authentic connections improve your immunity, extend your lifespan. And women do it better than men. Men go shallow and wide with their connections. Women go narrow and deep, which is why women outlive men seven or well, five to 10 years everywhere in the world, except in the blue zones. Fascinating. So except in the blue zones. Except in the blue zones. The blue zones have their own um, incredible outcomes where men live really, really uh, equally long time to women, actually. Yeah. But everywhere else. 
um, this is what we're seeing. So I think that's quite fascinating um, to look at. We all have limited time now. What, where is your investment? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have really great one-on-ones with people. I'm not a kind of um, what I call a pack animal, the big group dinner things. Maybe once I get married and have kids, you become more with other families who have that. But I've, I've even done personality testing. I'm very good building deep one-on-one connection. Mm-hmm. And I have those five great people. Sadly for me, sometimes they're all over the world because I lived in Australia, Switzerland, Singapore, and Dubai, but actually I feel that I have these five people replicated in each city, to be honest, Mm. but they're, you know, they're a life force. We should have those things. And and there are three different types of connection that we need. And this is probably going to blow people's mind. A guy called Bruce A. Austin, the Rochester University of Technology did a study. I think it was in the eighties, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but that shows you how long loneliness has been an issue. He developed a loneliness scale by interviewing people to find out what are the common needs that come up over and over again. And these are the three. So if you, if you can build connection in these three places, you're pretty well covered, okay? So the first is intimate loneliness, where you don't feel you have that person you can truly be vulnerable with. The second rung that we need is there's relational loneliness. So these are people who maybe they don't talk to parts of their family. They don't feel they're part of a social fabric that they can, if they're in need, like I need someone to dog sit my dog or drive me to the airport. They feel they can't pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. So they can't even ask that of their family or friends. So they're not part of a social community. And the third is collective loneliness. This is where people feel they don't have a group of people that share their common strengths their their common vision for life or or hobbies even so this is why you have crafting groups and cycling groups Mm. and coaching groups where people have that shared vision now they don't have to be your bestest buddies you can just go bowling with them once a week but they provide you that feeling of oh these are people who have the same interests or vision as me we're alike now if you can fill those three loneliness rungs with connection and make sure you do that consistently you're pretty well set to kind of keep yourself healthily connected. Man, that's so helpful. Like, where am I needing more connection and going back to just that very basic list of like, what is it I'm really needing here and digging a little deeper? Yeah, and you know, to the extension of question one, I really feel that's what my job is as a human connection specialist is really to pull the best bits of this these obscure studies that more people should be talking about and being the mouthpiece because learning how to speak has been a gift that I was given by the universe from the day I came out of the womb, right? Mm -hmm. And is to give a mouthpiece to these really helpful bits of research that these scientists have gone and done that we don't know about that could really just help us so much to, to make sure we have the boxes ticked. Yeah, for sure. So good. So good. Okay, so how can someone distinguish between authentic connection and fake substitutes? You kind of touched on it there, Simone, but let's dig a little deeper in it. Yeah, so so fake substitutes like transactional connections yeah. are um, where it's not reciprocal. So yesterday I did like a, a, with the American Chamber of Commerce in Singapore, they invited me to speak about my book and one of the gentlemen of the crowds, he's obviously in sales. And he asked me like, I get ghosted all the time. I said, well, what are the messages that you're sending? And he's like, well, it's for work. And I was like, okay, so if it's to get sales, we know that's transactional or there there is a hierarchy with that. You are wanting to get something from people 
that is not authentic connection. There is a like a social contract, just like we see when we watch the Oscars. And that was the big debate about what happened with Will Smith was that there's kind of a social contract that the comedian on stage is going to be teasing members of the audience. There, there is this kind of understanding that when you're a salesperson, you are asking for something in kind of a cold, unwarranted way of the person you're reaching out to. So I, I directed him to maybe if you want to make this a bit more authentic, maybe you could offer them something first, like a free ebook or a product to help them first before asking them give first, right? Be of service first. And we, you know, fakes, fake substitutes might not be the best word. That's a great example. So do you have connection in your life where it's not reciprocal, where you're always chasing to hang out with someone and they're not reciprocating? It's just making you feel more lonely. Cut that off, invest your time where it's somebody who is interested in building reciprocal connection with you. Another example of this great question yesterday was a gentleman who was, he's a teacher and he's a doctor. So he teaches young people essentially how to, you know, manage life as a, as a medical professional. And a lot of them come to him and they really want to have advice and they open up and they talk about all their vulnerabilities. And he's like, but someone who's a medical professional, I cannot. So because you have all these, the world we're living in, you can't cross certain boundaries. Of course you can't as a teacher or a doctor. Mm. And I said to him, well, see, not that this is a fake substitute. It is still a connection. It's just that it is not an even flow connection. Anytime you're going to talk to, you know, a member of the clergy, a doctor, a coach who you've paid money to, you must understand what is the social contract in that engagement. It's a bit of emotional intelligence, you know, that or a therapist, for example. There are boundaries. There is still a connection. Of course, if you have a mentor, there is still a connection. But there are boundaries that cannot be crossed. So highly likely that teacher, that mentor, that coach, that therapist will probably not meet you in the same level of vulnerability as you're sharing with them. And both parties must accept that. Both parties must still make sure that they have that person they can truly be vulnerable with. Let's not get it twisted and confused. The doctor still needs his wife or husband at the end of the day to truly unpack that day. Thinking that he can get that same authentic connection from a mentee that is dumping vulnerability on him, but he can't do that the other way is going to make you lonely in the long run. And this is why they say leadership is lonely. People in these positions, CEOs of organizations, coaches, doctors, or pillars of the community or whatever that are constantly being approached to help other people or to have other people kind of dump their situations on them. And I'm sure once you're in those positions, you're happy to give back and you don't mind, but it's a fallacy to think that those people in those leadership positions also do not need people that they can go to. Totally smart. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You just exactly. wrapped up everything. And I want, what I want to add there is what I love about a relationship, like a coaching relationship, obviously I'm in those all the time and I have my own coaches. You get to experience authentic connection of like, wow, I settled this to this person and they held it and they loved me in that. And so now you get an example of what to recreate in your relationships, which is so fun, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said you have your own coaches, but you don't get it twisted that those coaches are your best friends, right? You understand that there is also 
a monetary exchange that's happened there. That does not mean these are fake substitutes. What, I, what the blurb of the book talks about with fake substitutes is more that what we're seeing now, and we've seen for a little while, is the proliferation of using digital substitutes. There's a difference between an online community of following and who are your friends and true human connections. And what we're seeing with some of Gen Z is that distinction is not clear. So there is a confusion be between the transactional swiping, using connection online as a destination versus a way station. Connection online should be a way station to then meet in person and have those beautiful conversations. It's a way to filter who is like me by our online chats. Oh my God, let's meet up. But when it is used as a destination that the chatting just goes on and on endlessly, and then you just shift to chatting to someone else, and then you wonder why you're lonely, that's because that is not, that is a substitute for connection to fill up your time, but it will never satiate you the way that having a good friend that you truly know will be there for you, that will show up for you, that you can be vulnerable with, that is not going to cancel on you for something better, there's no substitute for that with a digital connection. Totally. I catch this in myself all the time. I'll spend time online and then I'll go and spend time somewhere else. And my bucket just gets so full energetically from that. Right. Totally. Especially an authentic connection when it's a draining connection. That's another story. <laughs> and I think a great hat for busy women. Cause I imagine there's so many busy women who, who listen to your podcast. What I do every month is I actually book in my social interactions um, for about two to three weeks of that month. So we block it into the calendar. So I know we're doing in-person in stuff because I, I, like you, there's a lot of online, I have an online community that I need to nourish. It's also good for work. I don't confuse that with my friends. You often find when you launch a course or you launch anything online that your friends are actually not that interested. That's because they're your friends. They love you. They want the info in between what you're launching online. They're not concerned. So it's not that they're not supporting you. They're actually kind of, of course, they support you in their heart, but they're not meant to be liking every photo. They belong to a different pile of connection. And not all connections are made alike. So you've got to have that emotional hygiene between what is connecting digitally to build in marketing for your business and do all those wonderful things that social media allows us to, to do, connecting us like now that I know what Lindsay's concerns are, next time I have like a, a tutorial on writing a keynote speech or whatever it is, and I think I can help Lindsay, now I can send that to her. That is different from the girl who comes to my house and we cry together in our pajamas talking about her boyfriend and broke up with her. It's, it's emotional hygiene between those things. So you still need to block off time for that other sort of connection. Don't just fill it with whatever you do for your online community is my point. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> so good, Simone. I mean, I'm like taking it all in of like, okay, where do, what all these buckets do I need? You're allowing me to revisit all of this stuff by asking totally different I questions. Love and I, I love it. This is great. I, I get the recording of this to create short form video for afterwards from you. <laughs> this is like all this stuff that I, I've forgotten that I know. <laughs> okay. couple more questions before we wrap it up. What would you say is the biggest impact of social isolation? I can't even say that. Social isolation. There we go. Isolation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I firstly, social isolation, let's define this versus solitude. 
Solitude is where we choose to spend time with ourselves and it's absolutely vital for the way you connect with others. This is because when we're alone and we're calm, we activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which floods our body with happy hormones. So when you do your meditation, breath work, counseling, whatever you need to do, and they're asking you to breathe and ground yourself, you're releasing from the prefrontal cortex, the happy hormones, melatonin, serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine. Oxytocin is what we need to build trust in relationships. When you're calm and you go in to interact with another human being, um, you sync up and you're able to be open and listen to them because you're calm and that oxytocin is flowing through. So we need time in solitude. That is different from social isolation. Social isolation is where you, it's enforced, like social distancing, like being put into solitary confinement. There's a reason that that is a punishment for human beings in jail. Mm. So what happens there is we go into a fight or flight response, and that is where our body gets flooded by the opposite of the happy hormones, the stressful hormones. These are things, if you are lonely over a long period of time, chip away at your immunity, and this is why loneliness is more deadly than diabetes and obesity, uh, sorry, obesity and smoking. Okay, so that's one of the worst effects is what it actually does to our physical body. And then, of course, what it does to our mental health is if you see loneliness as a precursor to anxiety, depression, and other mental, mental illnesses that can lead, of course, to suicide. So those would be my two big major points of the worst effects of social isolation is what it does to your physical and your mental health. Wow. I got to soak that one in for a minute. Obviously, we know the mental health, but I didn't even think about, in essence, the nervous system in that and yeah. it be putting you in fight or flight, in essence. And it, and it does yeah. that. Because we were, we evolved as beings in tribes. So our brain said, oh, safety in numbers. This tribe keeps me safe from saber-toothed tigers and allows me to sleep well at night because they're all keeping watch over me, the other tribes people. And when we were cast out of that tribe, we would immediately have the fight or flight response that, hey, I'm alone and I will probably survive maybe 24 hours because I'm in this very, you know, I'm on the savannah in this very high predator environment without the people to keep me safe. So that brain still sits in our head. So when we perceive we're lonely, we still go into that fight or flight response, which I think incidentally is just the body's alarm to wake up and go out and connect. And it happened to me recently. I broke up with my partner of three years in February. And so finally I've kind of gotten to the point, settled in my new apartment, all of these things, and finally have weekends free where I'm not like buying furniture and doing things around the house. And I felt a little bit lonely. And I was like, this is the body's alarm. You know what this is? Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to my cousin. She was writing to me about something else. And she said, how are you? And I said, I'm good. A little lonely on weekends. Because most women who are 38 have their husbands and their children. They spend, my peers at that age, spend the weekends with their partners. So they're great on the weekdays, weekday dinners and lunches. But I'm intelligent enough to know that their family is their priority, right? And then my cousin was like, oh, babe, well, I was going to take you the dog, dog on Sunday um, for a walk. Why don't we go and we can have dinner after? And I was like, perfect. I don't have to wear makeup. And then she's one of my authentic connections that I can cry in front of. You know, she's um, the real deal. And I thought, how wonderful. If I hadn't just put that out there, I would have never known. So I walked the talk on the things I teach and it had success. And it was a wonderful feeling. So if you feel incidental loneliness, don't be ashamed. 
It's just the body's alarm to connect. The worrying stuff happens when it's chronic loneliness and the person self-isolates, they don't talk to people, they cut people off. And the lonely brain is a dangerous cycle because it tells people, um, it holds people to a higher standard. So then if somebody cancels on you, it feeds back into that loop that, oh, I'm all alone. Mm -hmm. So the lonely brain becomes suspicious. The lonely brain also gets dumber right at the point that it should not get dumber. So it's an isolating spiral. Wow. Okay, I got to soak that in. Okay, here's a question that I see pop up for a lot of people, Simone, which is, I know I'm lonely or I know I want more connection, but I'm not able to find authentic connection. What would you tell them? Okay, commonalities connect. So start with that hobby group. This is why in the past so many people were were attracted to organized religion because it gave that connection by that collective um, interest, right? Yeah. So these days the world has changed. I want you to look online. Is it? A, I might go for an art jam soon. Thank you for reminding me. An art jam group, a sip and wine place, um, or maybe you're a sporto. That's very Australian. You're a sporto. Maybe you like sport. <laughs> join uh, enjoy you know that you know that's kind of not me group workouts aren't my thing um I'm very uncoordinated I like to do that alone <laughs> but if you like group cycling or things like that things where it's not like a tinder or a speed dating where connection is the common thread so you're all forced you're like I'm under this pressure that I have to connect and if I don't what's wrong with me I want you to go where there is a mutual interest first and that then can evolve the conversation around the mutual interest Mm. so good okay last question Simone I promise oh no problem no problem so with that of like okay I think about my introverts and I'm an introvert as well are you an introvert would you identify that as I get older I'm actually very extroverted but as I get older um and we'll all go through this have you found that you've become more introverted as you get older like you're more interested sure. in spending time with yourself. Yeah. yeah. This is to do with that whole extroversion of our twenties, going to frat parties or whatever you do in America. Yeah. Um, and we do in Australia out only. Um, that is designed for you to find a mate. That's why we're so social in our twenties, and we wind down, and are able to spend more time with ourselves more happily in our thirties and beyond. How so that's natural. Yeah. 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 So what about those introverts that are like? okay, I know I want connection. I know I feel lonely, but I get drained really easily or I'm really picky about who I'm around and I don't feel like I can find a lot of people with reciprocal energy. What would you say to that? This is where I would use um, social media as a wonderful filter. So I have a whole bunch of girlfriends I've met around the world and we've been filtered by common interests. So for extroverts, going to an event with a thousand people and having to physically filter through those people will be incredibly draining. So use the tools that were given to us and created to initially connect us instead of disconnect us, which is what's happened, but use them how they were originally intended for you to find like-minded people, use the hashtags on Instagram for things that you like, follow them, find them in your own city, and start those DM conversations, which you can do as an introvert, much less draining. It's on your phone. And move that, like I said, as a way station to an in-person connection. When I was recently back in Australia over the pandemic, over that two years, I had made friends 
online with a whole bunch of girls in my hometown who run small businesses, who have similar interests. And they all showed up for me. When I went to visit my mum for two weeks, I had like coffees or catch-ups every day with these women. And I didn't have to go to a big networker. They were filtered by the way they do their feed, their values, the things they post about. I was able to meet with them and it immediately had that click of connection that normally we have to fight to find at a party. You know, do you remember in our 20s pre-social yes. media for all those older millennials? You had to physically go through like 40 people. And then after that, you had to do 20 coffee catch-ups to find that actually that person isn't my vibe. So for the introverts, use these tools as they were created to help you filter before investing your energy in a coffee catch-up. Genius. Freaking genius right oh, there. So I hope good. that helps. So good. Okay, so tell us about your books, man. Oh, my book is Secret Pandemic, The Search for Connection in a Lonely World. And it, no, it's not actually about the pandemic. The secret pandemic I talk about is the pandemic of loneliness that, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, has been happening for years around the planet. And the book is literally structured in like three arcs, if you can imagine. So the first arc is about self-connection, how the trauma that happened to me as a child, watching my dad die in front of me, my mom's um, tough love and her now illness, how that formed maladaptations and how I connected with other people before I did a lot of the self-work. And then we move into the community beyond us. How can we be of service in our communication? How can we connect with people beyond us um, and put ourselves out there? And then we move into societal, things like the digital paradox, being more logistically connected, but more emotionally disconnected than ever. So you see the three arcs of connections, how we bring you through human connection as a theme. It's very story heavy. So it's a very easy read. It's like reading a movie, if you've ever read a book like that. Um, so each book is part, each chapter is part memoir. And then there are practical tips like I've shared with Lindsay today to bring you closer to connection. The book is currently a national bestseller in Singapore and an Amazon US number one hot new release in the social science reference category. So please, if you're interested in building the connection with yourself and then others, this is a great book. If I don't say so myself. I know. I love it. I love it, Simone. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to read it. Can't wait to read it. Um, Anywhere else that you want people to connect with you? Yeah, I'm very active on Instagram and LinkedIn at Simone Hang on um, IG and then on LinkedIn, Simone Hang Speaker. And even on TikTok, um, Simone Hang as well. I post loads and loads of tips. So if you want to just use it as a free way to have that connection reminder, please just follow and the tips will just come up. Yeah. And your team, I'm assuming posts so many clips of your speaking events, which I like devour. <laughs> so well, it's, have a, it's really good content. Y'all you got to go follow her. Thank That's you really so good. much. Thank you. Really good. And thank you, Simone, for taking the time to teach us all thank about you. connection and loneliness. I know this is going to be one that I'm going to go listen back to and like, okay, let me take that one nugget again and just dig deeper in that. So thank you so much. Thank you for asking such great questions and it was a pleasure meeting you, Lindsay, and connecting. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. 
Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero. And you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book. This book is a study guide for life. Enjoy. And of course, share this show with your friends. I believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. The more you help others succeed, the more you help yourself. So share, share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.